Hi, everybody, and welcome to an online-only service at Turning Point Church. It's Sunday, and it's so exciting to be with you. I'm going to be sharing a good, good word, and before I do, I want to once again thank you for your continued financial support, prayer support, for sticking with us in this very difficult and hard-to-navigate time in America for not just us, but all churches. Uh, Soon, we're going to be meeting again, and I can't give you a date but I can tell you it's going to be sooner than later, and we're going to have all kinds of great safeguards in place, and you'll feel, I believe, very safe and secure. But today I want to bring you a fresh word on something that uh, has really been speaking to me, especially during this troubled time in America. You know, we're dealing with this virus. We're dealing with racial tension. We're dealing riots and protests and upheaval and anarchy and all these things that are happening in our land. And all of us have been affected. So it's time to go to the Word of God. What does the Word of God tell us about navigating tough times where, no doubt about it, spiritual warfare is at an all-time high? Well, I want to go to the uh, best-known chapter on spiritual warfare in the entire Bible, Ephesians 6. And I'm going to read about the armor of God. And I want you to notice as I read how many times... Paul the Apostle says, stand. So watch watch for that word to pop up a lot. Ephesians 6, verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not people, but it's principalities powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness that are located in heavenly places. Therefore, in light of the truth of spiritual warfare, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying, not sometimes, not every once in a while, but always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What a great, great passage of Scripture on spiritual warfare. There's no doubt about it. We're fighting a real devil who really does attack God's people and is really the sinister creature that the Bible paints him to be. But, you know, there was a time when somebody would say to me earlier on in my Christian walk, when somebody would say to me, how you doing, Jeff? And, and I would quickly say, well, hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. But you know, as time moved on, I got to thinking about this. I began to drop that little phrase. Uh, it's like the Holy Spirit just sort of weaned me from it without me even really consciously thinking about it because that's not the greatest thing to say. Well, I'm just kind of hanging in there. You know, because nowhere in the Bible do we find victorious saints just hanging in there. We never see God advising his children, hey, hang in there. 
Paul the Apostle didn't say in Ephesians, having done all, hang in there. No, over and over again, the Bible says where to stand. Because hanging in there sounds like you're barely hanging in there. It sounds like you're barely holding on. And any minute now, you could lose your grip and fall into defeat. And that's not the way God's word sees God's people. No, God says, having done all, stand in there. Don't hang in there, but stand in there. So I want to talk to you today about not hanging in there, but standing in there. You know, one Bible translation says, take your stand. Another one says, stand firm. Another says, stand against. Yet another translation says, stand up. The Living Bible says, stand safe. The Amplified says, successfully stand up against. But whatever Bible you read, whatever translation or paraphrase, we're told that the Christian's posture is to stand in the day of attack. The picture presented here is to stand your ground with your feet firmly planted, ready and able to withstand anything that the devil throws against you. So wherever you are, you ought to just say, stand. Just say it out loud, because that's what we're to do. We're to stand. We're told three times in Ephesians 6 to stand, and another time to withstand. So three times, stand, stand, having done all, stand, and withstand. Stand your ground. Don't give up. Don't run. The word stand is opposed to running or quitting. The Bible is saying stand, stand firm. Uh, we all played, probably most of us as a child, uh, King of the Hill. And what was King of the Hill? You would stand on the top of a hill and people would try to throw you down. And what did you do? You took your stand and you refused to be thrown down. You fought to not be thrown down. That's the picture in the word stand. Stand on the mountain of victory and don't run, don't hide, don't put up the white flag, don't quit. Now, I want you to notice how Paul points out that while we're always engaged in spiritual warfare, there are times when the attack is particularly strong, when the enemy really turns up the heat. Now, Paul calls that the evil day. Now, let me quote it again. He said that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, the war that we're in is always going down. The minute we got saved, we entered the, the war, the battle between good and evil, right and wrong, Christ and the devil. That war is always going down. But our battles, our daily battles are sometimes less and sometimes more. Sometimes there is a day of evil. The evil day is the day of unexpected conflict. Notice Paul puts the, the definite article in front of it, the evil day. He, he isolates that thought, the evil day. In the evil day, you may be able to stand. The evil day is the day of unexpected conflict. When suddenly the un enemy unleashes his fiery arrows against us in a heavy way. That's the evil day. Out of nowhere, the lion attacks, the bullets fly, the bombs explode, and we're taken by surprise. We didn't know that it was coming. We didn't receive a, an Instagram telling us, you're about to experience an evil day of attack. No, they come. And suddenly, uh, whatever it is that brings it, we're in an evil day, a particularly difficult day of spiritual warfare. One trial stacks on top of another. 
as Job of old experienced. One thing after another uh, just fell his way. One conflict is followed by another. And then here comes yet another. And we end up saying with Jacob, so many things are against me. I believe our nation right now is in an evil day. Our nation is uh, experiencing right now a season of intensified attack. It wasn't this way four months ago. Yes, we were in a warfare, we were in a battle, but look at what's happened in just four months. Suddenly our nation has stepped into a particularly intense time of spiritual warfare. Suddenly we're in an evil day. The enemy is attacking us an evil day. And God's people are called to stand strong. Listen, Paul said, having done all in the evil day, stand strong. Having done all, stand. Don't run, don't hide, don't duck, don't back off, don't turn away, but stand. Stand your ground in the evil day. Don't lose your victory. Don't give in to defeat. Don't give the enemy the advantage. Now, Paul wants to make sure we understand the way the devil operates, and here's how he does it. He informs us that when the evil day comes, the enemy has already been strategizing and scheming to take his best shot. You say, well, Jeff, how do you know that? Well, I know that by the word that Paul uses in verse 11. He said that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the wiles of the devil. The word wiles is from a Greek word, methodeia, methodeia. We get method from that word. And it means the devil is methodical. The devil is strategic. The devil plans ahead. He he doesn't just grab a shotgun, spiritually speaking, and shoot our way hoping to hit something. Nobody's telling us when he uses the word wiles, uh, the the, the, the Lord is telling us in his word that the devil is a strategizer. He thinks. He plans ahead. He knows how to attack you based on your past weaknesses and the strongholds that he had established in your life before you knew Jesus. He knows that what you struggle with in the flesh. And so he waits for the opportune moment. You know, it says when the devil left Jesus in the wilderness after Jesus defeated him, it says in the Bible, he left him until an opportune time. Now that tells us a lot. The devil is methodical, strategic. He waits for opportune moments, his best moments. He never plays fair and he's sinister in his tactics. We need to understand this. How can we defeat an enemy that we don't understand or know anything about? You've got to know that the devil is always looking for the opportune moment in your life. He's always looking for that particularly vulnerable time when you're down, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're discouraged, when you're weak, when you're tired. He looks for times like that. His attacks are premeditated and well laid out, artfully, skillfully, with cunning. That's our enemy, the wiles of the devil, the methods, the strategies of the devil. We, we must put on the armor of God. We must have God's wisdom so that we can stand against the, the planned ahead, methodical, strategic attacks of Satan in the evil day. He takes his time in laying his traps. I personally believe that he will work many, many years to bring down a man of God or a woman of God. He'll, he'll 
set up a situation where you could not be more vulnerable. The time and the place where he will spring a trap. This is the way he works with people. And I believe this is the way he works with nations. He will set a person up or a nation up. Um, one compromise here, another one there. And he waits for a time when he can swoop in most effectively. Now, I'm not lifting the devil up. I'm here to lift up Jesus and preach down the devil. But we need to understand him. We need to understand our enemy. He carefully schemes to drag the lost down to hell. Satan prefers to work in the dark, subtly, not openly. He'd rather deal with you craftily than face to face. Look at Eve in the garden, how he approached, how he craftily and skillfully weaved an argument to cause her to compromise the word of God. He traffics in lies, smoke and mirrors, sleight of hand, always carefully concealing the hook in the bait he dangles before you. So the great apostle Paul warns us that we need to, uh, every piece of the armor of God to successfully stand against the carefully laid snares and traps of Satan. Paul's intent with writing Ephesians 6 is that when the dust is settled and the battle is over, we are standing victorious in Jesus Christ. I said, when the battle is over, we're standing. We're not down in defeat. We haven't run in fear, but we're standing covered in the armor, covered in victory, covered in the blood. We are standing victoriously when the battle is over. Standing, standing firm. Now, with that in mind, I want to share three key ways. Now, we do know that Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And so I want to go to some other things I find in the word that help us to stand firm, to successfully stand in the evil day of attack along with the armor of God, because most of you are very familiar with the armor of God. But I want to deal with three keys to standing in the evil day or the day of attack. And here's the three. Keep a clear conscience. Power up with daily time with God and keep moving forward. Now, those are three keys. Let me deal with them one at a time. First one, keep a clear uh, clear conscience. I can't tell you how important it is in your warfare, in, in your walk with God, that you and I keep a clear conscience. The Bible directly links a clear conscience to spiritual victory. Now, Paul the Apostle writes to Timothy, his son in the faith. Listen carefully to these words, because he's warning Timothy, who is now a pastor, he's warning him, And by default, he's warning all of us. He said, Timothy, cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear. Doing what you know is right. For some people have disobeyed their consciences and have deliberately done what they knew was wrong and their faith is now in ruins. What is a clear conscience? It is a conscience that is at peace with God. There is nothing between you and me and God. We know that the, the, the uh, slate is clear. There's no unconfessed sin. We're, we're at peace with God. We're walking with God, fellowshipping with God. But, but an unclear conscience is troubled. It is guilty. It is 
it is that oppressed feeling, that sense that you're not right with God and there are issues you need to take care of in order to walk with him. You know, when a Christian sins, they don't lose their salvation. They lose their fellowship with God. And, I, and you know, that fellowship with God is so crucial to spiritual warfare. How can you win a war? How can you win a battle with the captain of your salvation leading you if your fellowship with the captain of your salvation is broken? No, we need to walk with God with a clear conscience. See, the, the devil's number one weapon against you and me is condemnation. The very word devil, diabolos, means the accuser. He's called, his name means the accuser. That means he's always accusing. He's always blaming. He's always pointing the finger. We're told that in Job's time, he went before God and accused Job to God because that's what the devil does. He's diabolos, the, the accuser. And when our conscience isn't clear before God, the devil has an open door to accuse us in the theater of our own minds and, sh- and shoot us down with guilt. And if you're walking around guilty and your fellowship with God is broken, how can you, how can you fight the devil? You can't fight the devil that way. And because of unconfessed sin, relationship with God is broken. So we don't have access to his peace. And even more than that, we don't have access to his power. And so we got to keep our conscience clear. Paul says, cling tightly to your faith in Christ and always keep your conscience clear. You know, in my neighborhood, uh, just a few months ago, we learned that people have been breaking into garages and stealing stuff out of people's garages. And invariably, it was garages where the garage door had been left open. What about that? But we heard about that, and I developed my own little saying. Here's my saying. I tell myself, even if I'm going to go somewhere for five minutes, I open the garage door, pull the car out, and, you know, if I'm just going to run to the store and come right back, the temptation is to leave it open. But I thought, no, here's going to be my little philosophy, my little rule of thumb. And it is this, never give a thief a chance. Close the garage door. Never give a thief a chance. Close the garage door. Every Christian needs to have that attitude about the devil. Never give the thief a chance. Close the garage door of your conscience by keeping it clear and right before God. Never give the thief a chance. Don't give him five minutes. Don't give him three minutes. Don't give him one minute because the devil is an opportunist and he looks for opportunities to get into your life and mine. And we can't give him an open door. We can't even open the door a crack. So the same philosophy I have about my garage door, just yesterday I was leaving and I was, I was going somewhere for about three minutes, but that little saying went through my mind, Jeff, Never give a thief a chance because what if I left and, and somebody was hanging around and they saw that I left my garage door open and I got back and my bike was gone or something else was gone. How I would kick myself that I allowed the thief to steal from me. It's the same thing spiritually. We ought to have that attitude. I'm not going to give the thief a chance. I'm not going to walk around with a sullied conscience, which gives him an open door. It leaves the garage door open. For him to come in and steal. Paul in another place said, never give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him any any land in your soul. Don't give him a place. Give no place to the devil. 
And so practice quick repentance. Never go to bed with unconfessed sin. If you mess up, fess up and repent quickly. Keep very short accounts with God. You say, well, Jeff, I'm I'm ashamed to go to God with what I've done. Hey, listen, God's been around a long time. I say that tongue in cheek. God has heard it all. And you know what? He already knows about your sin and mine. So when we say to him, according to 1 John, if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful and he's just, he's able. He's the only one who can. And so take his, your sin to him. I'll take my sin to him. And I'm not going to give the devil five minutes to get in the door. So repent quickly. Number one, stand strong in battle by keeping your conscience clear. Is your conscience clear right now? Or is there, is there any little thing floating around in the back of your mind, a, an area where you know that you've messed up in your thoughts or your words or your actions or maybe an attitude? Maybe you said something that hurt somebody or you've been thinking about things that are not wholesome or uh, you did something that you know grieved the spirit. Why let it sit there? Uh, give your sin a very short shelf life. Take it to God and say, God, forgive me. And you will find that then and only then can you fight a good fight against the devil. Now, the second key to standing strong is to power up daily by time spent in the word and prayer. Say wherever you are, power up. Because that's what I do every day, I power up. Isn't it funny? We know that we need to put gasoline in the gas tank to drive our car. We know we need to eat to stay alive. But how often we neglect our inner man, our spirit man, and we don't power up. We don't gas up. We do not uh, re-energize ourselves by spending time with God. But I want you to listen to what Joshua was told by God. And again, by default, it's telling us the same thing. Study this book of instruction, God's word. Continually. Meditate on it once a month. Is that what it says? Once a month, once a week? No. It says meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Here's the promise attached to the command. Only then, only then, only then will you prosper. And only then will you succeed in all you do. See, you can't fight today's battles on yesterday's blessings. He says we are to get into the word of God daily, power up daily. We've got to power up daily. We're in a sin-infected, devil-infested world. We cannot afford to go even one day without getting with God, without powering up, spending time with him. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. Jesus told us straight up and plain, He said, here's the deal. Here's the way life works. I'm the vine. You're not. You're a branch. You're dependent on the vine. And if you stay attached to the vine, you will prosper. You will grow. You'll bear fruit. But if you don't stay attached to the vine, if you don't daily power up, get with God, spend time with him, then you will suffer for it. You're only as strong as your last time with God. When was that? We have some beautiful flowers in our backyard. I love flowers. I've gotten into where I plant them every spring. And we've noted that in Texas summers, when it's over 100 degrees and you could fry an egg on your driveway, 
you have to water those flowers every single day. Every day. Those flowers will not live on yesterday's water. They will not survive in 100 plus degree heat in yesterday's water. If we miss a day or two, for whatever reason, we note they begin to droop, they begin to wilt, and they begin to turn brown, and eventually they will die. Why? Because they've got to have water. Do you know that the Bible says God created the things we can see to teach us about things we cannot see? That's in Romans 1. He created the beautiful world with all kinds of lessons in it. And what a simple lesson that is. Those flowers can't live on yesterday's water, and you and I cannot live on yesterday's time with God. Your spiritual life and mine are just like those flowers. In the day of evil, when the warfare is red hot, the number one thing we must do is keep our inner man strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so we do that by daily watering our soul with the water of God's word and prayer. Now, I know this is elementary, and we've heard this over and over again, but let me ask you, are you doing it? It's one thing to say, well, that's elementary. I've heard that before, but are you doing it? If we could see your soul, and I could see mine, and we could see them as a flower, what would it look like? Would it be colorful, healthy, strong, or would it be wilting and drying up and brown and drooping? What would your soul look like? Because I promise you, as your soul goes, so go you. And as your soul goes, so goes your victory or defeat. This is why so many Christians are wilting, wanting, struggling, waning, dragging, They're trying to fight today's battles with yesterday's anointing. You can't do that. In order to stand strong in the day of evil, we must spend daily time with the captain of our salvation, draw from his strength, listen to his counsel, be guided by his hand. God guided me last week, but I need his guidance today. Uh, The word fed me yesterday, but I need a fresh word today. God taught the people in the wilderness you got to go out there every day and gather that manna. The manna from the day before would rot, and it was not edible in one day. God did that on purpose. God did that on purpose. God was pointing down to the new covenant and the time that spiritual people who have been born again and filled with the Holy Spirit would need the lesson of daily watering the garden of their soul, daily gathering the manna of God's word to stay alive spiritually. So to stand strong in the evil day, we must keep a clear conscience. We must power up daily by spending time with God. Have you powered up today? Have you powered up today? Hey, listen, I'm not here to judge anybody or point a finger at anybody. I've got to tell Jeff Wickwire this every single day. I'm just like you. If I don't power up, I feel it. If I don't power up, I start wilting. If I don't power up, my faith starts waning a little bit and and I don't feel so great. No, I got to get with God just like you do. So power up, power up every day. This is the day of evil. We need to power up. The final thing, the final key is keep moving forward. I want you to say that out loud wherever you are. Keep moving forward because listen, in times like these, so many people are going down discouraged. There is such discouragement. Discouragement is everywhere. 
can't go here, we can't go there. We've got to wear a mask everywhere we go. We haven't been able to meet in church. We haven't been able to get with some of the people we wanted to get with. Uh, My wife, Cindy, her daughter had a baby. And she wasn't even able to go to the hospital and see the baby or see her daughter because of COVID. She had to look at the new baby by Zoom uh, online and couldn't be there to hold her new granddaughter. That's discouraging. That's frustrating. And it's hot out. It's, it's 100 degrees out there. These kinds of uh, circumstances wear people down. And, and so it's tempting to quit. It's tempting to pull back. It's tempting to allow the enemy to hinder you. But I want you to listen to something. I'm, I'm giving you a word today. I believe that this last point of mine is, is almost prophetic. I think I'm speaking right to many, many people. Listen, Job 17 verse 9 says, The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. What a great verse. So great, I'm going to read it again. Are you ready? The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. In Exodus 14, 14, when the children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt and they're standing at the shore of the Red Sea, the Bible says the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. You talk about the day of battle. You talk about the day of evil. They got Pharaoh's chariots coming up behind them, furious, wanting to kill them. And before them is a vast sea. Where do we go? What do we do? And they began to cry out in discouragement and despair. And what was God's solution? Go forward. Keep going. Faith's favorite direction is forward. It's not backward. It's not to stand paralyzed in fear. No, faith's favorite direction is forward. Think about it. What is the devil after in his attack against you? You're saved, so he's he's not trying to keep you from being saved. So what's what's he after? What's his end game? What is the devil trying to do in attacking you and me? He wants to take you out of the race. That's what it is. To stop you from fruit bearing. To hinder your ministry to others. He wants to get you and me so discouraged and so, uh, so disillusioned and so, uh, weary in our souls of the battle that we cease going forward because faith steps out. Faith moves ahead. The devil wants to get you out of the game and onto the sidelines. That's his end game. That's his tactic. Look at, look at how the churches have been shut down. And look how protests are being allowed to go on with nobody saying anything. But the churches are being commanded to shut down. I'm, I'm sorry, but to me, when you want to shut down the word of God, you've gone spiritual. When you're wanting to shut down the voice of preachers and the people of God from worshiping God, there was one state they said, you can't sing, don't sing. I'm sorry. I'm going to sing, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to teach, and you are not going to muzzle me. I am not going to be muzzled because this is the day of evil. And if there was ever a time the church needed to be heard and the church needed to stand up and speak up, it's now in the day of evil. So by faith, you keep 
moving forward. You keep carrying the ball. You keep gaining yardage. You keep scoring touchdowns. You keep putting points on the board. You don't give up. Go to that Bible study. Tell that person about Jesus. Go to the prayer closet and intercede. Teach that class. Preach to that crowd. Move forward. Don't let the devil paralyze you in discouragement and fear. Move forward. Have you ever thought about it? The armor of God, every piece of it. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, gospel sandals, sword of the spirit, shield of faith. The whole thing is designed for somebody going forward. If you turn and run, there's no armor protecting your back. Because God did not intend his people to retreat. But he intended his people to move forward. The armor protects somebody advancing, not retreating. So if you're discouraged right now, I'm talking to somebody I know. If, I, if you're discouraged right now, you're disillusioned, you're, you're feeling like, wow, you know, I just feel so tired of all this. And maybe you've lost your job and maybe your finances are really tight now and uh, maybe somebody's walked out of your life or wherever, whatever it is the devil has used strategically and methodically to come at you in the day of evil. I want to encourage you, listen carefully, keep your conscience clear, don't compromise But keep your conscience clear. Get with God every day. Power up. Spend time with God. That is absolutely irreplaceable. Spend time in his word, time in prayer, and then keep moving forward. And I believe that the day of evil is not going to last. When we see a terrible storm outside, especially a Texas springtime, terrible storms come. I mean... Black clouds and rolling thunder and flashing lightning and terrible flooding. But you always know this storm is not going to last. If I can just weather this storm, survive this storm, I'll be okay. That's what I'm talking to you about today. The skies are black. The thunder's rolling. The lightning's flashing. And the devil is trying to intimidate and hinder and discourage You and me and churches and people of God everywhere. So here's the deal. Keep your conscience clear. Power up every day in the word and keep moving forward. I hope this helped you. And I want to pray for you right now. Um, You know, I don't know who all is listening. We've had thousands watching online, many, many who don't go to this church. And so I know I'm talking to people that are not under the covering of this fellowship. That doesn't matter. God's church is God's church. And so I want to pray for you. If you're discouraged, I want you to, listen, tune everything out but me. Listen carefully. I'm going to pray for you right now. And we're going to go to God. And we're going to ask God to strengthen you, to encourage you, to show you a sign for good, to pick you up and dust you off and give you fresh vision, fresh hope, fresh motivation, fresh fire, Let's pray together. Father, I pray for the people of God. Lord, we're in a day of evil. We're in a day of attack, intensified attack. But Lord, we know that above the fray and above the storm, you are Lord over it all. And so Lord, we come to you in the middle of this storm and we pray in Jesus' name. We don't want to just hang in there. but We want to stand in there. And we want to stand until this is done. 
and we've come out on the other side of the valley. So Lord, I pray you'll reach into that living room, into that car, into that place of uh, business, wherever people are watching or listening, podcasts, the radio, driving down the highway. I pray, Lord, that you will touch and minister and encourage and strengthen that we will sense your presence with us right now. Fill that car with your presence, that living room with your presence. Let that person that is discouraged sense the peace that passes understanding. And Lord, I pray and I thank you that greater is he that lives in us than he that is in this world. Thank you, Lord, that though the world is being shaken up, we are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I thank you, Lord, for keeping us steady, stable, and strong. And I pray your great blessing on every, every listener right now. And thank you that we will soon be able to meet together and rejoice in you together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that blessed you. Uh, it blessed me to share it. And uh, that was a word for me as well as for you. And uh, again, thank you so much for your faithfulness uh, in prayer and in continued financial support over Turning Point Church. You know, I was talking to one of our missionaries yesterday, and I want to give you a good report. Uh, he told me that through one of the missions that we support, Global Advance with David Shibley, they have been able to feed, watch this, one million meals to families in need. One million meals. That happened because of your giving. Uh, so thankful that we haven't had to say to one of our missionaries, um, well, we just don't have your money this month. No, it's been there every time because of you and your faithfulness. And so thank you again. And be watching the website, be watching my announcements uh, online because soon we'll be telling you a date when we're going to be coming back together. Until then, know that Cindy and I love you. Uh, we pray for you as well as the whole staff prays for you. And we can't wait to be with you again. God bless.